Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat, and it is a game day for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They take on the red-hot Vancouver Canucks tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that matchup and the next three matchups coming up on the schedule following tonight's game in our last segment today because they look like absolute monsters coming up the pike for the Pittsburgh Penguins who have played very well over the past month. We'll see how they withstand a couple of really tough matchups coming up on the schedule. We're also going to talk a little bit about number 71, Evgeny Malkin. Certainly getting back to the game, Evgeny Malkin we saw early in the season. Uh, it is certainly a good sight for the Pittsburgh Penguins to see Evgeny Malkin playing at the level that he's currently playing at and hoping that he will be able to continue to play at throughout the remainder of the season. We got a shout out, an AHL goaltender that has made it to his first all-star game as a member of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. But here's where we begin, Horwat, because we haven't talked about this in a very long time. It is something we talked about seemingly for the entire first three months of the season. And then they started to actually produce. So we just said, let's live and let live. Let's just see how this goes. We're a month later now and the Pittsburgh Penguins power play seems to be in a full-on resurgence right now. What have you thought about the Pittsburgh Penguins power play before we dive into why we think it's changed and also how drastically it's changed to this point? Honestly, I might I'm not trying to toss a wet blanket over your over your process here cuz yes, yeah. it has taken great strides forward. Um and yes, they are in the middle of a surgeon that has seen them score in four straight games. Something about it still feels not fully put together though. I think mm-hmm. it might be the fact that you know, they've scored in four straight games, but they're still getting a ton of opportunities and should be capitalizing on more. Um, the one that's coming to mind is Buffalo. I don't they didn't get a ton of opportunities that game, but um they had a five on three and they didn't score until the a full two minute five on three and didn't score until the last eight seconds of it. Um and the every and then every other power play looked ugly. I think maybe that's why in my head it's not fully back yet or at least not getting there or it's getting there but it isn't doesn't feel fully fledged out yet is the fact that when they score they score it looks great but when they don't oh it's ugly they're getting like no shots no opportunities it's two minutes of stolen passes and dumps it's maybe that's kind of how it is in my head is that it's either the greatest thing you've ever seen they're scoring immediately like they did in philly or it's 
ugliest sin. I think maybe that's where my head is with it. It's good. It is genuinely good to see that they are producing though. There are goals in four straight and that it is making progress, but something else just needs to give for me to go, okay, we're good here. Yeah, they've had their fair share of one for fives and one for sixes over the past month, which I go back to something Eric Carlson said early in the season in the midst of their, what, 37 straight power play opportunities without a goal. He said, listen, even if we go one for five, that's league average. Uh, And that shouldn't be the goal, but that should be the baseline. And they Mm -hmm. went one for five, one for six on a lot of occasions over the past month. And there's a reason that over the past month, they're scoring at 21.8% on the power play, which is... League average, slightly above league average for the last month. That's 11th in the NHL since December 9th, which is obviously a, a, a date that we go back to because that's immediately following that Cal- or that Florida road trip that kind of sparked a lot of change for the Pittsburgh Penguins when it came to the on-ice product. So since then, 11th in the National Hockey League. Hard to refute that. They're 12 for 54 in total, 20.8% on the road, 23.3% at home. And like we mentioned at the top of this, they have power play goals now in four straight games. The power play over the past month has gone scoreless only four times. So to put it into perspective a little bit, I understand why everybody says, you know, you want them to be better. And when you look at the total league standings as to where they are in the power play, they're still, what, 24th, 25th yeah. on the man advantage. And you see that. And that's the, the stat that comes up every time they go on the power play. And you're like, man, if only they had a good power play. But when you take out a historically poor performance from the start of the season to December 9th and just go from what they've done over the past month it's it's miles better than it was, and I understand that it's league average and you're expecting more from a unit with three, at the very minimum, Hall of Famers on that unit. But at the same time, to go from being one of the worst power plays we've ever seen to being, at the very least, a league average power play is a drastic jump that I don't think is getting enough credit right now. Yeah, it's not. <clears throat> Seeing where they take this power play as a whole by the end of the season, I think will be the most impressive part. Um, because you mentioned that it, 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 the easy way to remember how long it was without scoring on the power play, if, you know, whether it be number of games, number of opportunities, it was a month. It yeah. was a calendar month that they didn't score in. So it, wherever the Penguins can take this power play to now, considering they missed a month of scoring, um, I think that will end up being the impressive part. If they can get this percentage all the way up to league average, which um, – among the season, on the season is 20.54. They're at 14.73 right now with 19 yeah. power play goals and 129 chances. See, like, that sounds ugly, but that's, you know, like I said, taking in that month without scoring and the entire season. Uh, we're even to kick off the season. They, it, it, they, were, they found a couple of goals here and there, but before that month stretch, it still wasn't that great. Um, so it is in a new level now. It ha- it, I mean, like you mentioned, looking at the numbers since that Cal Dubas press conference, it's league average, and that's exactly where, not exactly where it should be, but that is the bare minimum. That is the baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing where they can take things for the next 42 games, yeah. 43 games, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I know I'm in the minority in this and actually backing the power play for their performance over the past month. But I mean, to put it into another perspective here, you mentioned that the month before this little stretch that I'm mentioning, they went over. They didn't Mm -hmm. score a singular power play goal going from zero to 20 percent. That is a 20 percent increase. A 20 percent increase in anything is drastic. And I understand that at some point the regression to the mean was going to be there. Zero percent is 
unbelievably an, and an hilariously, anomaly. yeah, hilariously an anomaly. But going from zero percent over a month span to going to twenty-two percent, just about twenty-two percent over this past month span, that's a wide gap that you already bridged. Now, as you mentioned, here's the important part. You can't be satisfied with that, right? Like, that's solid performance. It's helped lead the Pittsburgh Penguins to a 9-3-1 record in that time. But you need to continue to elevate your game. You need to find yourself in total. I mean, it was a big hole to dig themselves out of, both in the standings and in the power play percentages. But they're starting to slowly dig themselves out of it. They were 30th, 31st for a long time. Now they're up to, I think you said, what, 25, 24, somewhere in that range, the mid-20s, continue to build back. And yes, maybe by the end of the season, you're only... 14th, 13th in the NHL if you continue to to score at this pace and you continue to put goals in the back of the net on the man advantage. But considering where you were at and considering you basically fell behind for a month because you did not score a single goal, if you get back to there, the amount and the substantial amount of goals that you're going to be scoring and games that you're going to be winning because of that are going to get you into the playoffs. And at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. And I think that they've shown over the last month that they are 100% trending in the right direction in that aspect. Yeah, finding power play goals, A, is a huge reason why the Penguins are in the position they're in right now, or I should say the lack of finding power play goals. Over that month, And there was a couple of one-goal losses in there where they just pound home one power play goal, just one. It's a different ball game. Um, and they've in that, in that stretch where they started scoring out of the month, it was important goals. It was timely goals. It was game winners. Uh, it was reasons that the Penguins started to improve their um improve their record and climb out of the basement of the Eastern Conference. And not only is the power play scoring, it is, you know, goals in four straight. They're scoring those important timely goals. Sidney Crosby's game winner against Boston, power play goal. The opening goal in the against the Philadelphia Flyers, power play goal. Again, they had a ton of opportunities after and didn't capitalize, but that's neither here nor there. They opened the scoring and took the wind out of the Flyers' sails right away in that game. It's like 45 seconds in. Um, and even the Buffalo game, like I said, it was late in that five on three. They should have scored it earlier, but you know what it did until the wheels fell off. It scored a goal to tie the game. The power play is super important. And each time it happens, you're realizing that it's an important moment in the game because of whether it's the game winner, maybe they're tying the game up. Maybe they're getting that early lead. Those are huge for the team. And you want to know how easy and league average, uh, you know, how attainable that is. The San Jose Sharks have a league average power play right now. Special teams is a different animal. I mean, it, it is. You you could have a bad team with a really good power play. I think the Philadelphia Flyers had a, or not the Philadelphia Flyers, excuse me. The New York Islanders for a long time under Barry Trotz had one of the best power plays in the NHL. The New York Islanders were one of the lowest scoring teams in the NHL, yet their power play was automatic. Yep. It's not a matter all the time of skill and talent on the ice. It's a matter of execution. And some teams, even though they don't have the talent, execute well. You look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, and for a large part of this season, it was the opposite. All the skill in the world, poor execution. And, you know, it, it's it's a weird anomaly. It's a weird part of hockey. It's a weird part of the sport that makes it unique, that even when you give the best players in the world an advantage of literally you have one more man on the playing surface than the other team, sometimes it still doesn't click. Sometimes the execution still doesn't click. So it's something that makes you know at hockey unique, and that's a very large, broad picture to take on this um, conversation. But you know it's interesting that the Pittsburgh Penguins at this point 
in time are, are getting to the point where they're at league average and they're still being looked at as one of the worst. I mean, they are. I mean, statistically, yeah. 25th or 26th or wherever they stand at this time. It's 25. It, <laughs> 25. That is that is bottom third of the league. They need to be better. But in the last month, their top half, they're almost top 10 in mm-hmm. the National Hockey League, which is great. And another little tiny tidbit here is, one of the big issues early in the season was not only was the power play not scoring, but they were giving up chance after chance after chance after chance. And they haven't stopped that entirely, but they've only allowed one goal at this point in the last month. And that was the Brad Marchand shorthanded goal on Chris Letang in Boston last week. Like at this point, they're starting to be a little bit smarter with the puck. They still have those turnovers of getting Malkin. Eric Carlson are obviously two of the biggest, you know, reasons for that or two of the biggest not victims I can't think of the word but the two of the people that do that more often is the soft pass that leads to a turnover and potentially an odd man rush but I think what you've noticed is that happened a lot less frequently which is something that should be a given as well but it wasn't earlier in the season and you have to notice that that has gone down in frequency but before we we skip to the next segment here what to you has keyed this turnaround like have you seen anything in the last month and I understand that you're not somebody that studies the tape in depth. I'm not somebody that studies the tape either, but just from a feel, from a standpoint of both of us have watched all of these games. What do you ha- has seemed different about the Penguins power play in the last month? They're shooting the puck a little bit more. They're mm. finally, you know, getting that confidence to um, just fire away, whether it's a bad shot, whether it's a good shot, they're just taking the shots on goal. They're letting things kind of happen to them. Um, that's mostly it. I mean, the, this whole Power play kind of kicked off with Valtteri Pustinen on it, and even with a slight uh, personnel change with Ricardo Kell, it's been the same sort of pace. Uh, so I would say it's just the, you know, it's just the pace that they're firing the puck a little more often than the, than they were before, and they're not they're still making those dumb passes, trying to force passes, mm-hmm. uh, but they seem to be coming at a much lower rate. So I would say, you know, just the simple things, playing a simple game shooting the puck more off and not trying to force as many passes and just uh, playing a little smarter and, you know, coming for someone who doesn't study the tape. That's at least what I'm catching. Yeah. When I'm looking at this, I don't think it's as much about the quantity. It's the quality of shots on goal too. I mean, again, I'd love to take a deeper dive into this. Look at where the shots on goal are coming from. Look at where the goals are coming from. Uh, I probably will here in the recent, in the near future. But I think it it feels like, at least from a bird's eye view, from watching these games and watching these power play opportunities, that they're taking a more concerted or having a more concerted effort to getting the puck down low and working it down low a little bit more. Don't get me wrong; they're still running the power play from the point with Eric Carlson and Evgeny Malkin up there, but it seems like they're having a more concerted effort to try to pierce the bottom of the zone a little bit more more frequent than they did at least earlier in the season. And that part of that might just be they're cycling the puck a little bit better, they're getting set up a little bit easier. So I, again, I need to do a little bit more research into that, but it feels like they're starting to work down low a little bit more. You look at where a lot of these goals are coming from. Crosby, his last couple of goals against Washington and against the Boston, they were right in the crease. Ricard Raquel, last game or was it yeah both the last two games when he scored a power play goal right in front of the crease it seems like they're trying to work it in there and get opportunities down closer to the netminder whereas it felt like earlier in the season they were just trying to beat guys with Eric Carlson and Vigeny Malkin blowing it past goaltenders in the front and they weren't having the net front presence so I, I feel like they've had a more concerted effort to one get to the net front and to two work the puck down low a little bit more and secondly and this might be, an, again, another thing of just capitalizing on opportunities, making it seem like he's more involved, but it seems like Sidney Crosby is much more involved in the power play planning 
now than he was earlier in the season. It seemed like earlier in the season it was Eric's power play unit to run and Eric and Evgeny are going to run it together. Now it seems like Sidney Crosby is more so in that mix and, and as referenced by the points and the goals that are coming from Sidney Crosby, he leads the Penguins in goals in that time with four and he leads the Penguins or at least tied with the Penguins lead in power play points with seven. So four goals, seven points in that time. Sidney Crosby leads it. It feels like he's much more involved, whereas earlier in the season there were a couple times that, to me at least, it felt like, why is Sidney Crosby not being utilized, not touching the puck nearly as much as he should be on this man advantage? Yeah, that's exactly the point that I was going to say. It feels like it's kind of, they're it's not running through him, but they're at least getting him the puck more, more touches are going to him. He is the one that is kind of facilitating um, from the side. That's a big part of it too that I've noticed in uh, practice is that um, they're starting it with him and then working things around and seeing how things uh, flow from him, almost quarterbacking from the side wall rather than Eric Carlson on the point. So yeah, getting Crosby the touches is also probably playing a huge hand in this momentum shift for the power play. Yeah, like we mentioned, top 10, or sorry, it was top 10 two days ago, and then a couple of games happened. They're now 11th on the power play over the past month since December 9th, so a month and a couple days. 21.8%, if they can continue to run at that clip, it sure sure would be very helpful for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I understand. Everybody wants to see them score a power play goal in every opportunity that they get. Everybody wants to see them have a good power play every opportunity they get. Everybody wants them to be two for five every time they get five opportunities. That would be 40%, and that would break an NHL all-time record. Like That's the perspective that you have to put it into because, in a nutshell, when you're just looking at it, yeah, you got five opportunities, you have three Hall of Famers, you should score more than one, especially if one of them's a five-on-three, but two for five? is something that is not sustainable. Yes, you'd like to see it every once in a while. They've done it a couple of times over the past month. You'd like to see it more often, but at this point, four straight goals with a power play. Only four games in the past month where they haven't scored a power play. They're essentially going, over the past month, up one to nothing every time they go into a game. Essentially. I mean, mm-hmm. four of what? They've played 13, so in nine of the 13 games, they have a power play goal. Quick math. That's... That's that's a good thing. It's a good it's thing. Bad. Obviously, we say this knowing it has potential to get better, and it should be better at some point. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, top 10, top 11 in the National Hockey League in the last month, that'll get the job done, and that's a big reason why the Pittsburgh Penguins are getting the job done in the win column and in the standings. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, goaltender of the AHL gets named to his first AHL All-Star game. We'll give him some some of his flowers. And Evgeny Malkin seems to be ramping up why that's so huge for the Pittsburgh Penguins right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're just good at drafting goaltenders and developing goaltenders. Obviously, the big one was Marc-Andre Fleury, and he rode that for 15 years, whatever it was, 2003 when he was drafted till 2017, so 14 years as member of the Pittsburgh Penguins and as the starting goaltender. Three Stanley Cups, albeit two of them, he wasn't the starter by the end of the run. Matt Murray came up, and let's face it, for the first couple seasons, Matt Murray was one of the better goaltenders in the National Hockey League. There was talk of him being Team Canada's representative if they ever got a, you know, 
Olympic team back together. He was very good. Tristan Jari has emerged, a multi-time All-Star. He's having a good season this season, although he's been a little shaky as of late, but you've seen him have good performances such as last Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres, and it seems like the next name on that list might be at the AHL level right now. Yoel Blomqvist selected to the AHL All-Star game in San Jose coming up in a couple weeks here. He's having a stellar first season in North America. 11-4-2 record with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. 9-20 save percentage, a 2.16 goals against average. And he's the workhorse down there. He's getting 60% of the starts for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. A lot of work for the young Penguins netminder. It seems like he is certainly taking a large step in his progression towards the NHL this year. It's huge. It's, it, on the bare minimum, you might say that like goaltending is a simpler position when it comes to transitioning to North American ice. Uh, but this the transition of playing on North American ice means playing against a more North American uh, style of play. So there's going to be still a learning curve for even goaltenders, and he seems to have busted clear through it. I mean, this progression isn't this selection to the All Star game in the AHL isn't doesn't come as much of a surprise considering the uh, prospect challenge that he put up, the good couple of games he played there, the pretty solid. Uh, preseason and training camp that he had with the Penguins and it just bled into this great start of the season with Wilkes-Barre where I mean the record's pretty solid the numbers the even the deeper numbers are really good he's um their guy down there and you mentioned that the Penguins have you know traditionally been pretty good at drafting goalies this is just another one they pick they pick them high they do this was a second round pick you mentioned Fleury first overall Forget where Jari and Murray landed, but they pick them high, and they know that that's going to benefit them in the long run. And for Joel Blomquist, I mean, we don't know exactly what his NHL progression is. We saw him serve as a backup earlier this season uh, to kind of get that day of experience under his belt. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he pushes as an NHL netminder. I don't want to say in the near future, but maybe hmm. closer than we might expect. Yeah, I would doubt you see him this year because the Pittsburgh Penguins are pretty set with Alex Nedeljkovic and Tristan Jari, but Nedeljkovic might be playing his way out of Pittsburgh at this point of the season. I mean, he's performed so well. Uh, right now he's on a one-year contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. A lot remains to be seen about that, but that's a problem for another day. Um, by It'll the way, be an interesting discussion during yeah. locker clean-out, whenever that may be. Oh, 100%. Uh, Tristan Jari, second-round pick. Matt Murray, third-round pick. So Penguins use... You know, a lot of second, third round draft capital on goaltenders. Uh, the only first one rounder being, of course, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury. But first round goaltenders are very rare. Cons uh, doesn't happen very often. Consider also the Penguins don't normally have a first round pick. Yeah, well, They're that's using true their well. first pick or, you know, maybe second if they have two seconds. They're using their one of their first picks with for a goalie. It's, uh, it's a nice little trend. And for what it's worth, also don't forget that among that crowd is also... Uh, Philip Gustafson, who's in Minnesota. Minnesota now. Yeah, Philip Gustafson, who's in Minnesota. Callie Klang, who is also in Anaheim, and I believe he got up to the NHL level at some point this season. So oh. he's already progressed to that stage. And then obviously, don't forget, they have a teenager over there in Russia that's performed pretty well too, uh, Sergei Miroshev. So a lot of goaltenders from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Goaltender U uh, is Wilkes-Barre in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. So uh, shout out to them. And like you mentioned, there is an adjustment to be made for Yoel Blomqvist this year. And J.D. Forrest, when it was preseason, did mention that, hey, one of the biggest things for him is going to be adjusting to the North American style like you mentioned and the big thing with that is there's a lot bigger bodies and they like to play around the net a lot more than in Europe in Europe 
it's a lot more freewheeling. It's a lot more skill-based in the United States. It is in your face playing with, you know, playing with, with men that love to be in the crease, getting used to a lot of traffic, getting used to fighting through that traffic is something that he noted was going to be one of the biggest tests for Yoel Blancfist so far this season in a 920 save percentage, you know, 11 and six. If you want to put the overtime losses into just the loss column, 11 and six record and 2.16 goals against, uh, it's a pretty solid performance so far for the 22 year old for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The future is bright in the goaltending position, and uh, who knows when we'll see Blomqvist, but he's certainly impressing at the American League level. Let's move over and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, a European player that has been here for a little bit longer than one season. That is Evgeny Malkin. He's currently ramping his game up 11 points, five goals, six assists in the last 10 games, including four multi-point performances. It all draws back to that goal that he scored against Minnesota that was given to him on a silver platter from Valtteri Pustinen. You remember his exasperation when he scored that goal. It was almost a weight that looked like it was lifted off his shoulders whenever he put the puck in the back of the net there. That was his first goal in eight games at that point. At this point now, he has just been on fire since then, obviously culminating with that game in Philadelphia where he made sure to tell the Philadelphia Flyers, look at scoreboard, guys. We're kicking the crap out of you. And Evgeny Malkin was fiery on Monday against the Philadelphia Flyers. It felt, it, more than Malkin being fiery, it felt like there was a little more heat renewed to that rivalry. Those, those, oh, yeah. those games have become kind of dull recently, and that's you know, thanks in part to the Flyers not being great. Um, they've got a hell of a lot more to play for this time around. So, uh, And Evgeny Malkin has always been a key to the fire of that rivalry. I mean, yeah. the way he can kind of lose his mind at a moment's notice has always, you know, it, it, not always, but has pretty often played to the Flyers' advantage and definitely played to the entertainment value's advantage. This time around, um, it, it, everyone was entertained, but also Malkin was taking full advantage of being Evgeny Malkin mm-hmm. in his best way, and he's that he's, you know, really back on the train here. Yeah, not only did he say, look at the scoreboard, look at what my team's doing to you, he scored the goal that was essentially the dagger in that game. A beautiful blocker side shot beating Carter Harden. I can't remember who was on the other side of this, at least the player-wise, who was on the other side of this, but don't forget, Evgeny Malkin nearly decapitated a member of the Philadelphia Flyers a couple years ago, turning around and swinging his stick like he was uh, Johnny Appleseed. I don't remember who it was on the other end of that. Me but, neither. Uh, let was, me... wait, was that even the Rangers, or is that a different play? I thought it was the Flyers. Let me try to look it up real quick. Uh, yeah, it's you know, here. Here's how fun of Kenny Malkin is. There's multiple occasions where we could genuinely discuss of um, him just going off the rails and you know costing himself some dollar dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. He the, certainly uh, got NHL fined. <laughs> he certainly got fined for that one. A high sticking on Michael Raffle, given a match penalty for it. Yeah, yeah. A while. So, he's. Hey man, sometimes he, he 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 loses his mind sometimes, and that's what makes him so. That's what makes him Evgeny Malkin. But whenever he's able to produce two points like he did against uh, the Flyers on Monday, it's what makes him Evgeny Malkin. The best way I can describe Evgeny Malkin when he's playing at his best, when he has that gallop that everybody loves to talk about, is controlled chaos. And eventually, mm-hmm. that controlled chaos can get tipped over. And once that controlled chaos is tipped over, people are getting punched in the face. He's using his stick to try to spear somebody. He can get very, very, very violent at points. Um, And it's funny because you've talked to him now a bunch over the last couple of seasons. Seems like a gentle human being. Yeah. <laughs> Seems is, like yeah. it. But you get him on the ice and you get him over that, over that scale. When you tip over that scale, that is somebody that I certainly would not want to be on the other end of. 
He he's definitely uh, a gentle giant, if you will, and yeah. uh, but also does but is also one of the most charismatic men, mm. I, which is really interesting considering the the language barrier that he's definitely gotten better at his English, but it's definitely still there. Uh, and you know he's still just one of the most entertaining people in this locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, even on days that he's not talking to media, he's still one of the most entertaining people. And that controlled chaos that I was talking about and has been on full display. I mean, he has been at the top of his game over the last 10 games. His underlying numbers are ridiculous. 56.3% of the shot attempts at 5-on-5. Five five. Fourth on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Third, if you discount players that played four, a handful of games. P.O. Joseph's only played four games in the last 10. Brian Russ has only played four in the last 10. But their underlying numbers have them up in a lot of these categories as well. 63% of the expected goals at 5-on-5, five five, which is a ridiculous number, is seventh on the Pittsburgh Penguins. If that just tells you how good the Pens have been in general over the past 10 games. Fourth among players that have played in all 10 games. And when it comes to scoring chances... of the scoring chances at 5-on-5, which is fifth on the Penguins, third among players who have played all 10 games. He has been phenomenal over the last 10 games, and I think part of it is that he's playing with somebody young on his wing, and it's not just the age factor. I think it's the way that these guys have been playing next to Evgeny Malkin that, that gives him a little bit... I don't know. It's it's like it gives him a toy to play with. Like, and, and I know that sounds like a horrible way to say it, but like Valtteri Pustinen started this whole thing when he gave him that wide open net against Minnesota. You've seen how well he's performed alongside Drew O'Connor and how well those two have started to mesh. Now you have O'Connor who has foot speed and is a little, you know, I don't even know, like spark plug, electric spark plug on the ice, Malkin in the middle. And Brian Rust, who also has a lot of foot speed and likes to play that that physical game that creates turnovers in the offensive zone, you surround him with players like that. It seems like Evgeny Malkin is just, it seems like he's just enjoying the game more because he can just skate around and be almost like a shark because mm-hmm. the other two are just scrambling to create chaos and he can be, you know, the most controlled player on the ice, which is not usual for him, and just await his opportunity and when he gets it like we saw on Monday he's been finishing those opportunities like he did against Carter Hart there's one thing about Evgeny Malkin that we've learned over the years is that he's not the best defensively and this year he is that's that I was gonna get to that yeah we don't want to say he doesn't try defensively and never has tried defensively but let's be honest no one who plays offense wants to play defense and Evgeny Malkin is definitely in that category of not really wanting to on most occasions but you know when you're sticking with guys that are younger and have the youthful legs that are going to back check a little more back check a little more back check a little harder and in Drew O'Connor's case play some pretty good defense even in Brian Russ's case play mm-hmm. some pretty good defense yeah that gives Evgeny Malkin the opportunity to kind of I don't want to say you know give half effort but kind of slow down a little bit in the defensive zone let his you know line mates take care of it he just takes a body and then once it's recovered Boom, click yeah. it all back on and have offense. He's, it's saving his energy almost. Yeah, like a shark. Say, he's he's, pre- he's preserving his energy. Yep. Always forward, never backward. In Evgeny <laughs> Malkin's case, a little bit more often that he goes backward because he's not actually a shark. And in hockey, you need to skate backwards sometimes. But no, realistically, I do think that he's – listen, he's not going to win a Selkie anytime soon. He's not. First of all, because the Selkie is voted on by people that I don't think understand what the Selkie should be voted on for. Um, it's it's given to the, the best player that – actually gives a crap about defense that also scores a bunch of goals like that's that's who it goes to and Patrice Bergeron was the embodiment of that but 
Patrice Bergeron was genuinely good in the defensive zone. But we see Sidney Crosby right now in the Selkie discussion. He's having one of his worst defensive impact seasons in a long time. And all of a sudden, people are saying, oh, maybe he should win the Selkie this year. It's like, well, guys, what? You, you missed the boat. You missed the boat on this one. But, like, Evgeny Malkin's never going to win a Selkie. But you look at the effort that he's put in into performing in the defensive zone, to getting back to the defensive zone. Some of the small plays that he does make, it's certainly more so than we've seen throughout the majority of his career. And it's something that, you know, seeing him do that is what tells me that, and again, this is a completely different discussion off topic. Seeing Evgeny Malkin play that way in his own zone tells me that these guys still really want to play for Mike Sullivan. Because Evgeny Malkin wouldn't just change that because, oh, you know what, I, I should play better defense now that I'm 37 years old and, and not as fast as I used to be. It, it's because Mike Sullivan's probably pleaded with him, hey, we need to get you a little bit more involved in the defensive zone. Evgeny Malkin's put the effort in, and he's done it well this season. And now the offensive side is coming back. We, we saw how good he was early in the season. He's been almost as good here over the last 10 games. Like we said, over a point per game is nothing to scoff at. Four multi-point performances is ridiculous. Um, he's certainly starting to take over games like he did earlier in the season, like he did several times throughout his career. So uh, it's good that Evgeny Malkin is ramping up, and sometimes it's just good to see your top players get back to their game. It is, and that's, you know, it's almost what we expected from uh, these guys whenever mostly, you know, Malkin and Latang, whenever the Penguins re-signed them to these quote-unquote final deals of their career right yeah because you know we understand that they are aging and they are past their prime there's no doubt about that but there is still belief that they can perform and this is exactly what they needed to do they needed to find ways to you don't need to fend off father time you don't need to fight them you just need to work on your game in a different way and you know find what is going to work for you in these Mm -hmm. final years Listen, like I, I said before, that it wouldn't be shocking to see uh, Evgeny Malkin bump to a third line center role in the near future, because he just because of the age and the way the foot speed might be going down and the way the skill might eventually take a take a dip. But for now, he's earning his role still. Yeah, and once it's it's like a bell curve almost. You enter the league, you got to earn your role, and you get it. You kind of have for a little bit, and as you age out, you have to earn it again. Evgeny Malkin's earning it again, and he's genuinely keeping good possession of it. Yeah, I mean, Evgeny Malkin at this point, I don't think there's any dispute that he's he's 100% the Penguins' second-line center for the remainder of this season. He's probably 100% the Penguins' second-line center going into next season, but who knows? Maybe the year after that, the final year of Evgeny Malkin's contract, he'll be 39 years old at that point, I believe. That's fine. Third-line center Evgeny Malkin, second-line center Braden Yeager. Things are go. all uh, things are all looking up for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's funny we get uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins get one good prospect and we can't stop talking about him. Uh, but <laughs> what are we supposed to? We haven't had any. <laughs> exactly. I mean, shout out Owen Pickering. He, I think he's doing well in Swift Current. We should probably check in on him as well. Uh, but regardless, when he plays defense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we return, Penguins have a golden opportunity to send a message here over the next week. We'll tell you how and why after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. The Pittsburgh Penguins take on the Vancouver Canucks, a.k.a. Pittsburgh Penguins in the Western Conference. 
later this evening at PPG Paints Arena. And I say that because obviously everybody knows Jim Rutherford, president of hockey operations out there. Patrick Alvine, who is a former assistant GM of the Penguins, is the general manager out there. Head coach Rick Tockett, need no introductions there. Assistant coach Sergey Gonchar, need no introductions there. And then on the ice, Casey DeSmith, who I don't know if we're going to see. Uh, but Casey DeSmith has had a good season there as, as a backup goaltender the Thatcher Demko. You got Teddy Bluger out there. You got Sam Lafferty out there. You got Ian Cole out there. A lot of Pittsburgh Penguins on that Vancouver Canucks team that is coming into the 412 today. Sorry, I guess I shouldn't say that. Might get sued by a certain company. But that's coming okay, into but coming into the city today to play the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's going to be a tough matchup. Don't forget Mark Friedman. Oh, Mark some, Friedman's over NHL there. NHL time happening for him this year. Uh, I think there's more. I'm just forgetting them. I now. mean, technically, I, I saw this in uh, Josh Yoey's article for The Athletic yesterday where he talked to G uh, former general manager Jim Rutherford. Technically, JT Miller has a connection to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'll but... take it. Yeah, absolutely. Especially considering if you want to add the guys that were likely on the Penguins trade block last year. Throw yeah. JT Miller. You could throw Brock Besser in there. I mean, <laughs> going the other way, Marcus Pedersen was over only almost a Vancouver Canuck like 20 times. <laughs> yeah. So was P.O. Joseph. So, yeah. So, I mean, you got some almost guys that are on each side of the aisle there, but no, it, it's, it's a team coming in that should be taken seriously. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're coming off of blowout wins and back-to-back -back nights against the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders. They, they embarrassed the New York Rangers at MSG, which has not happened very frequently this season. And then obviously to go and blow out the Islanders on the following night, five to two, um, they've had one day off, so maybe you catch them at the end of three games in four days and you get them at their slowest because this is a high-flying team. This is a team that you know Mike Sullivan yesterday talked about. One of the keys to this turnaround has been the commitment to team defense, to playing better and playing more responsible if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're going to need to put that into action tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. It's a very, very high-scoring team, all led by Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes on both the forward and the defensive side. Yeah, it's... There's all kinds of offense to look out for. That team defense is uh, something, something fun. It's also it's just tough to get a read on uh, a team you see twice a year, and that you haven't seen yet this year. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know how much to take from it, especially considering this is a team that uh, might be exceeding expectations. It's those are tough teams to. Those are tough teams to read. I can remember, I you know, asked uh, Crosby about this whenever they were heading into play Washington. Like, does their decline in certain areas change the way you play against them? Obviously not, but this time around, when it's a Western Conference team, it's, you know, they weren't a great team last year. In fact, they had a lot of controversy last year. This time around, they're coming in and look, one of, they're one of the best teams in the West. I think they're second behind the Winnipeg Jets. Ooh, another team exceeding expectations. I believe they're second in the NHL. Yeah, so there you have it. It's, <laughs> it they're ex vastly exceeding their expectations, so what can you really read from them? It's going to be tough to tell. It's hard for me to tell right now just exactly what to expect, but clearly it's uh, something to be feared. I expect a similar performance from the Thanksgiving Eve game a couple seasons back that was absolutely ridiculous. Brandon Tanev scored a oh, huge yeah. third-period goal in that one. I think the final score of that was 8-6 to six or 7-5 to five or something like that. It was an 80s-style game, similar to what we saw last Thursday. 
between the Penguins and the Boston Bruins. That's something we might see tonight. I mean, the Penguins want to play better team defense. The Penguins want to lead from their back end on. I mean, they're goaltenders. Obviously, this is a team that has a DNA of scorers because of Crosby and Malkin for so many years. So it's going to be a, a, a clash of styles. Which team's defense can hold up or which team's offense can just continue to score at will? I mean, it's going to go one of those two ways. I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not going to be, hey, you know, maybe it's a low-scoring game because neither offense can get going. No, one of these offenses is going to get going tonight. And at the end of the day, we mentioned it. They're the second-best team in the NHL, at least the last time I checked, which was at some point this week. Don't don't I didn't check three months ago. But at some point this week, I, I didn't check since last night's games, and there was a bunch of them. But second-best team in the NHL, and then you look at the schedule going forward. Pittsburgh Penguins have been really good over the past month. One of the best teams in the NHL. They're going up against four behemoths over the next couple of weeks here. Vancouver Canucks tonight. Then they have the Carolina Hurricanes on the road coming up on Saturday. Next week, they welcome the Seattle Kraken, who are winners of seven straight games. They haven't lost a game since December 19th. And then, crazily enough, of these four games, the one that seems the least worrying is a game where you go to the home of the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are in second place in the Pacific Division despite being 3-7 and seven in their last 10. This is a crazy schedule whenever you can say, hey, at the end of it is going to be probably our least worrying game, and that's against who? Oh, the defending Stanley Cup champions in one of the places that is the hardest place to play in the National Hockey League right now. When it comes to taking on the Vegas Golden Knights, the Penguins can lean on, we've shut them out already this season. They have. Yes. So they have that rolling for them. They kind of don't. You don't want to say they <clears throat> have the number that they have the card, but they have the confidence that <clears throat> they can, uh, you know, really get the best of a team like that. So we'll see how it rolls. See how it goes. Uh, it, especially coming off of you're heading out west and you have four days off in between, uh, playing Seattle and then heading out to Vegas. Uh, rest up. See what you know what you can bring, uh, hopefully not necessarily fully healthy, but you know, with some good legs under you with some rejuvenated legs. And then, I mean, it goes Vegas and you get three more games for the, before the bye week and the all-star break. Yeah. You got to leave it all out on the table for the rest of the month. I know you were just trying to talk the next four, but, uh, as I look at my calendar, it's a, it's an interesting schedule, but, um, it's an important one, especially leading into some days off. Yeah, four days off before that Vegas Golden Knights game, which tells me one thing. We're either going to get the best version of the Pittsburgh Penguins in Vegas or we're going to get the worst version of the Pittsburgh Penguins in Vegas. No in-between because this team off of a layoff is basically rolling dice. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. But you look at these next four games, though. Vancouver, Carolina, Seattle, Vegas. Tough games, nonetheless. Would be great to see them go 4-0. Would be pretty much great to see them go 3-1 and in those those four games. Let's do a prediction. We haven't predicted in a very long time. Let's let's put our money where our mouths are. Predicting the next four games for the Pittsburgh Penguins before we get out of here for the day. Horwat, Vancouver, Carolina, Seattle, Vegas. Two at home, two on the road. Pittsburgh Penguins will have a record of what whenever they can hit the craps tables after the game against Vegas. Well, they have to go to Arizona after that. But I mean, uh... there's always time to go to Old Vegas and hit up the Golden Nugget. That's fair. Let's see. What will they do? <laughs> Man, that's tough. Uh, two one and one. Two one and I'm one. I'm gonna get exact with it. Two one and one. Very I bet exact. that that overtime loss, just to continue to screw with our 
playoff standings happens against Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that's who you were thinking too. Well, cause it's the issue is, is that, yeah, these are three tough opponents. Uh, only one of them is in the Eastern conference, let alone mm. within your division, mm. playing some Western conference teams that not necessarily, you can't, not, you can't necessarily drop to them, but it doesn't hurt as badly if you do. And those are just, you know, teams Tangles just wipe, not wipe the floor with, but find ways with. Find ways. Find a way to beat everybody. Uh, you had one loss in there in regulation. I don't know who it's going to. Just okay, I didn't know if you had an out. idea there. You're just throwing <laughs> one out. That's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to. I threw you on the spot with the record thing. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins go 2-2-0. I, I do. I, I think they go 500, and I think that is just fine for this stage of the season, especially like you mentioned. As long as one of those wins is Carolina, you can yeah. live with a 2-2-0 record through these four games. That is a tough stretch to go through, especially with Vancouver playing as well as they have been, especially with Seattle playing as well as they have been. And even if Vegas is 3-7 and seven in the last 10, who knows? There's a lot of time between now and then. They could have turned it around between now and then. But as we stand here today, 3-7 and seven in their last 10, Penguins... We talked about it before the show. They might be 7-4 and four all time against the Vegas Golden Knights. They're 2-3 and three on the road. It's hard to play on the Vegas Strip. It just is. Mm-hmm. So I, it's it's going to be a tough stretch here for the Penguins. I think 2-2 two and two is something that you live with, and particularly if you get that win over Carolina. You mentioned that that's the one you lose to in overtime. It seems like every game between the Penguins and the Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes have gone to overtime over the past yeah. two seasons. So... It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be some good hockey if the Pittsburgh Penguins can play the way that they have been. They might be able to get some big wins against good teams. Not saying that they should be outmatched in any of these. We talked in the last episode, I believe. They've beaten some pretty good teams this season. They have an impressive list of wins. They beat obviously Vegas three to nothing earlier in the season. They beat Colorado four to nothing. Road victory against LA, which is a, one of the best teams in the NHL this season, despite not being really good at. Staples Center. It's still Staples Center to me, goddammit. Um, of course. But a lot of really good victories for the Penguins. Let's not forget Boston last week adds to that list. So let's see if they're able to, to put a couple more together here in the next four. I think 2-2-0. Two, two you think 2-1-1. One, one. I'm hoping you're right and I'm wrong because that means there's more points in the standings and we both want to cover some playoff hockey this season. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins, or you can find us anywhere you get your podcast from by simply searching Tip of the Iceberg. That's I-C-E-B-U-R-G-H. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Big game tonight, Penguins East versus Penguins West. Uh, we'll see if the Pittsburgh Penguins in black and gold can come away with the two points. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.